This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. As we were thinking about who to have on this week, as we were talking about cynicism and delight and worship, the person that came to mind was Bob Goff. Jenny and I were just sitting here talking about the first time we heard of Bob Goff, and it was years ago when we were reading a book by Donald Miller, who was talking about his friend Bob, and then we read Bob's book, Love Does. And I'll never forget, Bob actually put his phone number, his personal phone number, in the back of his book. And y'all, I think this was probably over a decade ago, I texted Bob Goff, and he responded. It was crazy. And that just like encapsulate who Bob is. He is just delightful and he lives every single minute to the fullest and is just joyful. And he just encapsulates this utter delight and joy in life. And so I know you will love this conversation. Make sure to check out all of Bob's books on Amazon or wherever you can buy books. My four-year-old loves his newest devotional for kids. It's called Love Does for Kids. And we read it almost every single night. So go check that out. We'll make sure to put all this info in the show notes. Well, you are going to literally be delighted by my next guest. And that is because he is one of the most delightful people I know. And not just him, but his wife as well, Maria. Uh, They are great friends of ours and they have been a huge, had a huge impact on our lives. And so, Bob Goff, so good to have you here. Oh, thanks a million. I'm just so glad to be talking. This is fun. Well, so Bob and Maria, we met them many years ago. We had a chance to be in their lodge in Canada. And it just, it was life-changing for me. And it was a moment where I feel like I had to come to a place where I let go of some pretty big things. And one of the activities you had us do, Bob, at the end of that time together was we threw you know, a rock into the water. And you know what's really powerful is that thing that I threw into the water. I'm not saying it's never come back up in my life, but just about never come back up in my life. And heading into that time with you, it was paralyzing me and crippling me. And so anyway, I do feel such an affinity to you two because of how much God has used you to really set me more free in my life. So I'm There's so grateful. There's something beautiful in the symbolism of that. I don't think they stacked rocks in the Old Testament because they ran out of paper. I think they wanted to say, God showed up here. Mm-hmm. And I think we can lose a couple rocks if we've been carrying around in this backpack of ours. And there's something really powerful about just name it. Mm-hmm. Say, just take a moment, figure out what that is and then lose it. And so it's all about like receiving grace and then just giving away to God some of the things that are the things that are wrapping us around the axle. So I'm just so glad for I feel the same way. Every time I go through that exercise of being super intentional and saying this is the thing, I need to let it go. So we are talking about this week, we're talking about the dichotomy between cynicism and delight. And really, truly, the reason we had you on here was because I do feel like somehow in this very jaded world, Bob, you have rejected cynicism and you have chosen joy and beauty and delight. And I have to believe from my research and study that these two things coincide, that they they exist together. And so let's talk a little bit about just for you this passion that you have for beauty and whimsy and delight, because you must have one. I mean, I've watched you on a stage with a whole slew of balloons there. You know, you, you have to value these things. <laughs> yes. 
Well, I think the uh, the thing about cynics is that it's usually it's just insecurity that's masking itself to look like confidence. And so we're all insecure and we just deal with our insecurity different ways. Some people get mean like a rattlesnake. Other people get quiet like a church mouse. Some people get the jitters. Some So just knowing when I bump into somebody who comes across as feeling cynical, what I'm trying to do is figure out old school cynic or new school. Did you know the old school cynics? They were actually awesome. They lived a little bit apart. They made their own clothes, uh, but they weren't saying like everybody else's clothes look funny or they got it right. They just said, I want to live a little bit apart from society because we want to actually understand these things more. New school cynics are like rolling their eyes and say Southwest, running late again, that kind of thing. So the new school isn't as attractive, but I think there's some lessons to be learned from the old school cynics because they weren't critical of other people. They actually were just trying to understand what's happening around them in a beautiful way. Mm. And so I'm all for that within the context of your faith and your experience and uh, what you've learned and having some self-awareness to know how you deal with insecurity to understand the world around you and why that's working. I'm a big proponent of that to be self-aware. But then when you start calling balls and strikes on everybody else, that makes you an umpire. And I think what Jesus has for us is to be base coaches. He wants us to tell people when to run hard towards him. And it's always. (laughs) Well, and I, I think in a world that is increasingly negative, I think what stands out so uniquely about you, Bob, is your determination to love well and to continue to be joyful and, and oh, to give man. that away. Where did that passion come from for you? You know, the person that had a huge impact on me was my grandma and grandpa. Uh, growing up in the Bay Area, my grandfather was a uh, fireman on the San Francisco Bay. He worked a graveyard ship for 40 years. And get this, he never put out a fire. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I don't even know if he knew how to. But what he did know how to do is he knew how to love me well. And uh, they are the ones that have been so uh, transformational in my life. And I actually realized really early on that I had something special. I think they thought I hung the moon. And one of the things that I started to believe is that some of these things that they set up about me and uh, that I was very winsome and creative, I actually believe them to be true. And if you're listening to the podcast, think of somebody who's been instrumental in your life that has spoken these words, uh, whether they called it prophetically or not, they just spoke some truth over you that made you realize like, wow, actually that's kind of true. And they did it in really winsome ways. I would get, if you uh, remember from Sweet Maria, she talked about getting room rent. What would happen is if my grandmother would ever go into the room, they would leave behind a nickel for me. And when I would race up to my room in their house, there'd be this whole jar full of nickels. It just meant a lot to me that they honored me, that this was my room Mm -hmm. in their house and they paid room rent. And so there's something Mm -hmm. beautiful about, that was probably my first introduction to this thing and Peter about talks about making a defense for the hope that's within you, but to do it with kindness and respect. And uh, I think that people uh, sometimes come across cynical because they haven't been dealt with kindness and respect. And and I'm not giving them a hall pass uh, for kind of this negative behavior, but I just think we all took a hit along the way. We just needed to decide how are we going to deal with it? Absolutely. Um, And yeah, so I don't feel like a victim. I feel like a participant. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like I'm the hero. I feel like I'm just a guy trying to make it forward, but I don't swing at every pitch. And I think some people think that helping Jesus out, a God who doesn't need our help, <laughs> I means swinging at every pitch to help defend baby Jesus. <laughs> and yeah. if you read Revelations, you'll figure out he's out of the crypt. So yeah. what we want to do is actually deal with the people that he created with kindness and respect. And it's it's difficult if you say you love God, but then you don't love the people he said he made in his image uh, because they're kind of wonky. There is difficult as I am, they're as difficult as you are, that we have our moments that things are going great. And then we have other moments where we're actually not as lovable as we think we are. Mm. And that actually has been, I think I learned that from my grandparents. It's been affirmed by some of the people that are around me, both that I am difficult at times and that I actually have something to offer at times. You're one of the ones that has reminded me consistently, you and Zach, about the beauty that we each bring to this friendship. And I'd say to surround yourself, not with people that are going to blow sunshine at you, but that will speak to the joy and wisdom. They'll speak truth over you. They'll say, I see who you are. I see who you're turning into. Mm. And that's the beautiful thing. We'll actually become who the people closest to us say we are. I want to go to this. I love what you just said about everybody's just recovering from something. I feel like that has given me so much grace for people. You know, even today, I read this just incredibly hateful thing about myself from someone else. And in my first gut reaction was defense and hurt and anger. And then my next feeling was, you know what? She's probably going through a lot. (laughs) And I think that has helped me cope with the world in a better way. Just, you know what? Everybody's going through stuff and we are all acting out of it, right? In different ways. And so let's talk about though this fear that you see and why Why do you think so many Christians feel the need to reel or get angry to protect something? Like what what do you think is happening right now in Christendom that's causing this kind of, you know, really negative infighting everywhere? I think people uh, have uh, usually beautiful motives. Uh, I don't know many people that jump out of bed and, and say, let me just go be mean and wreck somebody's day or say things that are hurtful and inflict a lot of pain. But they have a worldview and they have biases like I do and you do. They just sometimes might not be aware of those biases, nor would they be aware of what's going on around them. When I have this lodge, you mentioned the way to get in and out is by seaplane because it's a really long boat ride as you've experienced. (laughs) And so uh, the thing they teach you when they're teaching you how to fly a plane is to first know what's going on inside the cockpit and then second, know what's going on outside the cockpit. And if you were to apply that to sometimes in our faith communities, like know what's going on inside the cockpit, like you and Jesus, like (laughs) trust the instruments, like you and Jesus, and and then know, be situationally aware to know what's going on outside the cockpit. There's a lot of people in a lot of pain. And so sometimes what I think we do is we're just trying to correct everybody along the way, uh, thinking that's being helpful. It comes from a good place. It just doesn't come across as helpful. Mm. Um, I just really enjoy when people have let me be wrong. And it wasn't that they were just trying to go soft on doctrine. They were going so big on Jesus. Uh, that they didn't have great doctrine and lousy theology. Mm. They had great doctrine and great theology. 
They actually knew this theology of kindness and love and where that comes from. They realize the depravity of their life so they can see the depravity in mind with a little bit more empathy. And and that that's actually yes. been nice when people have just been kind. They say, and I think you're having a really tough day today. That can feel like a, somebody calling you a pill, but somebody yeah. just to say, I want you to have this uh, cookie. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and yes. they just they just said they just said chill out, but in a really nice way. And so I think what we want to do is just find nicer ways, and we can use our words. You know, this uh, James Wise with our tongues, we can uh, praise God and curse men. And I'm telling you, I, I'm better at number two than number one. Yeah. Like I actually want to slow it down. I'm a lawyer. I got a lot of things to say about everybody, mm. but one of the things I'm learning is to be a little bit more picky. And the words that I'm speaking. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, Jenny, it was, it was uh, really recently, there was a woman that came up to me after a thing I spoke at, and she said, are you a friend of Bill W's? And I was racking my brain because I knew a lot of people named, named Bill. It was three days later, and I figured out she was talking about the courageous men and women that are in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. She heard me say something. She thought that may have come from a 12-step program. She mm. thought I might be in recovery. So instead of asking me, Bob, are you in recovery? She said, are you a friend of Bill W's? Because she knew if I was in AA, I would know who Bill W mm. was, the founder of AA. Wow. And so I tracked that woman down uh, a week later. I told her that is the nicest thing somebody's done for me in a year. It was just so really kind. She didn't want to put me on the spot. And so I just want to demonstrate that kind of kindness and respect towards people. Mm. And it's, I'm just taking notes uh, from people like you, uh, the, the other posse that you run with, <laughs> this woman, the guy at the market, the yeah. person that took a little bit of time for me. I feel like I'm taking notes. I'm not a, a teacher. I'm a student. Well, Can I tell you really quickly yeah. about a young guy who uh, I teach a class at San Quentin? Did you know that? No, I love that. Yeah. You yeah, love that. You you have a lot oh, of fun. <laughs> oh, these are my people. There's a great verse. It's Colossians 4. And it says that describe this mystery of the gospel of Christ and to do it with clarity. Mm. And so we go Colossians 4. And it's just how to have a clear message. Because if you're in a cell that's six feet by nine feet and your roommate weighs 270, it's an awesome time to have a clear message. Yes. If you have victim is above a crime you've committed. That's a great time to have a clear message. Mm. You're separated from your family for decades. It's a great time to have a clear message. And if you are a follower of Jesus, that's an awesome time to have a clear message. That's right. And to do that, to have clarity, well, this young guy got out and not with like bed sheets tied together over the fence, but he actually <laughs> got to the end. I actually got to go in and tell him his release date mm. and then tell him that instead of paroling you back to the city that you uh, were from and the gang that uh, was part of this crime you committed, instead we're paroling you to San Diego. And then Jenny, I told him, you're hired. Oh my <laughs> gosh, Bob. That's not awesome. He's on his way right now. Oh no. And oh, that so is so good. When he, yeah, don't tell sweet Maria. So <laughs> one of the things that uh, happened, he's never been outside the wall since cell phones had come. Mm. And so when he got outside, a friend wow. gave him a cell phone and I was his first call. I said, Bob, I'm on the outside for the first time wow. as an adult. And so uh, I asked him, I'm like, oh buddy, what are you thinking? And do you know what he said? 
I've got pockets. <laughs> like, oh. what? But you're not allowed to have pockets in San Quentin oh. because of the stuff. You'll carry shanks, you'll carry drugs. You'll... And I just think, mm. wouldn't that be beautiful in the faith communities if we were just a little bit more picky about what we put in our pockets? Because mm. we've got them. Are you going to put a bunch of hurt and shame and guilt mm. and and are you going to direct that towards other people or are you going to just go pocketless? Mm. <laughs> Say, I think they've, they've got something going on. We're back in San Quentin in a couple of days and uh, I just bring people along. You should come sometime, girl. I would your love mind. it. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. I've, ne- I've never had more fun in my life than prison ministry. I feel like it has brought such dear friends <laughs> in my life. It is so meaningful because that you know what I love about it, and I know you love this too, is they're caught. There is no pretense. There is no like, oh, you know, trying to impress you. It's like, nope, we need God. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> yeah. So humble. And, yes. Oh, it's so refreshing. It's I, it's how I wish yeah. the church always felt. So anyway. I'm telling you, these guys haven't learned a thing from me. Yes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I've been taking notes. I know. But one of the things that I'm wondering about when people talk about, you know, I, I heard this, I felt convicted. I'm like, actually, I've met a couple of guys that have been convicted. Yeah. You're feeling nudged. They yes. got convicted. And yes. so if what we could do is just uh, maybe lose some of the nomenclature we've been associated with in our faith communities, not because they're bad words. But maybe we could go a little bit higher up on the tree. We could say, what's a uh, a word that adds a little bit more clarity? Like somebody says, mm. you know, I've been called to this. I'm not critical of the concept, and it happened in Scripture. Um, but, uh, like, I get a lot of telephone calls. I'm positive those are calls. But some of the things to say if you're called to, to say, hey, find another way to describe this. I've been reading Scripture it pings me. It, I identify with it. Mm. I whatever. And if you've been called, I mean, when people say I've been called to this, but Bob, I'm uncertain. I'm like, wow. Like if you don't go Jonah on this thing, right? If he called <laughs> like you, you a, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> yeah. So if that happened, like pretty much do that. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and if your name is Mary and you're 16, and yeah. So I would say that is clear. The rest. I would say would be educated guess. It's informed by That's your faith. Right. It's informed by what you know by scripture. Just call it what it is. It's not rock, paper, scissors, and you're not letting That's Jesus right. down by getting real and saying, my best guess is, but it's a guess. It's informed by my scripture. And I need to give people page and verse to let people know that I know scripture because I'm not trying to get my validation from there. But I want to make sure that I know that because Paul said, check it all. So you won't see a tweet or an Instagram. Mm. You won't see a book from me written mm. only because I'm writing to the guy at the tire store. That's not a uh. better guy. It's just a different guy. So know who's in your chair, self-awareness, mm. know what's going on in the cockpit, know who's in the other chair. That's outside the cockpit. That's earth. And mm. then just do things that speak to the right person in the chair. Let's talk about the things you and Maria do because you do things so out of the box. And I think this might be the greatest way that we learn from your lives is just thinking differently about what's conventional, you know, uh, conventional ways to love people, right? So you're always trying to think of a more delightful way to speak to somebody and to show them the love of God. Talk about you two and your dreaming patterns and like how do you... 
how do you come up with the things that you do? And and always, I mean, we many people listening right now have read Love Does. If you haven't, you need to go read that, but you need to read everything Bob's written. And what you'll find is creativity that makes you want to live in an out-of-the-box way. So where did that come from for you? And, and what does that even look like on a regular basis for you and Maria? I'd say just in a super practical level, uh, I'm more like Tigger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just bouncing off the walls and it's an informed Tigger. But uh, the hallmark of uh, seven, if your listeners are hip on the Enneagram, would be you know a bunch of joy and go for it on the surface. But underneath that is a smile of strategy. Yes. You know exactly why you're doing what you're doing. Yes. So uh, this camp comes up for sale, this outfit that does a lot of uh, ministry to young people, young life. <laughs> young know. life I know. It's always young for life. Sale for sale yeah. yeah. They put a for sale sign in front of this camp, which is so lame. Like you can't sell a camp to Arby's. And so we bought it from them. And so uh, now we're doing, so I told Maria, we're like, we're getting a camp. And she's like <laughs> Sarah following Abraham around, oh, no. but she's actually the wise owl. Mm. So you can be Tigger so long as you're with a wise owl. Tigger without the wise owl is just ricocheting off things. And so when Maria had said it really well in this book, she wrote, Love Lives Here. It's a, She's just like, we're not uh, the same, but we can still be one right out of John 17. Mm-hmm. And sameness isn't required to be oneness. So we've experienced this oneness, but we just jump in and we both bring what we have. You know what we're doing right now? 24 horses. Now, <laughs> I've seen you uh, on the pictures riding around oh, yeah. on horses. I've never been on a horse before. <gasps> Bob, and we're getting 24. Shut up. You are going to <laughs> love even, it. You are going to oh, love I'm it. You're so gonna, it's going to be your new passion. Well, here's the deal. I don't even know what end to put the straw in, but I'll figure <laughs> it out. And Maria is the one with her feet on the ground that loves God and brings so much order and beauty to the chaos. And what I would say is to encourage in, in our marriage, we're not trying to build consensus. We're trying to be one and we're trying to build a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so there's something beautiful about that. Sometimes in the relationships of the people around us, we're so wrapped around the axle trying to build consensus and to get enough people to nod yes, that we actually lose. Is this one of the things that Jesus talked about? And he was nuts about kids and he loved people to flourish. And you see it over and over again. And so if you create places where people can flourish, I would say, that sounds like a really good thing to do. If you're, mm. I, I I can't land it at the right address. I'm in the right zip code. <laughs> so, well, I remember, I, yeah, I remember coming out to the lodge, and I remember thinking to myself, my life is supposed to change here. It's young life camp, right? Like ultimately, yes. that, you know, I was like, dang it, I'm not gonna. Like I was cynical. I was like, I'm, you know, I'm just here to see my friends and have fun. And sure enough, you created a space where I could not help, even with my arms folded, walking in candidly, Bob, you created a space and and it was space. That really was a big theme of what I saw that you created. It wasn't people talking to you the whole time, although there was some of that, but even the people that spoke, spoke out of their real life. It wasn't these rehearsed talks. It was just, this is what God's done for me. And then you had margin. And I think you're right. I think creating those spaces where people can meet each other and connect, I mean, and meet with God, that's becoming rare. And it's so powerful. I'm so excited y'all have your second place. And maybe it's a little, you don't need a seaplane. <laughs> yeah. And you get to actually declare these places safe. Mm. Um, you get to do, to just speak that over 
that's what happens at your if gatherings, all mm. the if locals. It's just declaring these are safe places where we can have real conversations and talk. We don't care what it looks like. Mm. We care what it is. Now, let's just talk about what it is. Mm-hmm. And the beauty about having a few minutes of authenticity together is that uh, you can actually just make one of the rules that you don't try to fix each other. Mm. We can empathize. We can say, wow, that must really sting. Um, and that's not a lack of engagement. It's actually the best kind of engagement. It's to say, this is a place where you can actually just be safe. We're not mad at you. You're not mad at anybody. Mm. It's like Switzerland. Oh. Give me a chocolate bar and a bobsled. <laughs> I, to just say, these are places I would raise the Swiss flag above your house. I actually did that for somebody. Like they, I would just said, just put that Swiss flag over your house. Let everybody know. This is a place for safe people Mm. to be at a time where you're feeling really vulnerable to say, I just need to surround myself. And you'll have a couple of people. Some of them might be in-laws. Some of them might be neighbors. Some of them might be workers. It doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them at that particular point in time not safe for you. Mm. And so you're aware, situationally aware, you know what's going on outside the cockpit and you know what's going on inside the cockpit. And to say, actually, I need to draw a little bit closer to God right now, which is going to mean to take a half a step back from you. And there's no indictment of that. I think they're just wisdom. So one thing we're talking about here, and I studied in this book that I just wrote, was that we have a choice. Like this isn't something that we just fall into, you know, pursuing joy and believing the best and looking for peace. This is something that we can choose. And so talk about for you, you know, when you look out right now and and, and somebody's listening that feels like I want to choose delight. I want to see the good. I want to choose joy and peace. I want that flag over my home. What would you say to them about the process of that choice? Yeah, this uh, this word that is uh, now being used that, that you have agency over that. Just another way to say you you can exercise a little bit more control over that than you thought. So I would start by saying, let's find words that are more relatable for you. And so you can describe feelings right now. You could say, I you know, feel like the number seven and the letter E. Uh, but but what, so tell me what that feels like. You know I wear a mood ring. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> and it's purple. And so Sweet Marie and I decided a long time ago we weren't going to talk about where I was because I'm oftentimes in Afghanistan or Somalia, Mm -hmm. and that actually wouldn't be helpful. And so instead, we talk about where I am and how I feel Mm. and say, so instead of talking about geography, just where am I emotionally? Where am I feeling? And that's actually a great, safe place to stop. For each of the women that work here at Love Does in the office, I'm looking out through the window at them. We start off the day by putting like a blessing. I just put my hand on their head. And we just have a moment to just talk about heads and hearts and all that. It would just be super creepy if we were like hugging. So we just don't. And so, but instead we do something really respectful and to say, can we have a moment of time just to talk? And I would say for those listening, you get to create these safe places that Jenny is talking about by creating a moment in time Mm -hmm. to say like, Hey, this is just our check-in moment. You can find things that are helpful, whether that's putting some technology to the side, or you can find things that get you in the zone. But these aren't gimmicks. That's just living super intentionally to say, we're going to spend every single day a little bit of time just talking about how we really are and to say, I'm feeling distracted, feeling a little distressed. 
And then just ask the question or two from there, like, what are the things that are distracting you? Don't just take, I'm feeling distracted as an answer. Say, I'm not trying to pry, but are there are some things that I could help to do that would help you be a little bit more mm. focused on that. And just the second or third question that you might ask would be a great way to tap into people's hurts and joys to say, what's the thing that's brought you a lot of fun? Like, which, where's the hope coming from? I wouldn't give all the airtime to the things that have been difficult. Mm, I wouldn't let that suck good. all of the oxygen out of the room because it's actually kind of an easy target to land there, particularly if you're prone to landing there. So let, let's give this some attention that's appropriate, but let's give some oxygen to what you're hoping for. And not only what are you hoping for yourself, but what are you hoping for the people you love? Tell me who you love and what you're hoping for them. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's there's something really powerful when we can make it not about us because that's the message of the gospel of Christ. Mm. Like it's not about you. <laughs> so yes. if we spend all the time in the cockpit, uh, we're actually not aware of what's going on outside the cockpit, which is all the creation. There's seven and a half billion, give or take. And so we want to say, let's spend a little bit of time talking about some of the needs of the people around us. And that to this posse of people that we've been running with is where you actually find some of your joy uh, because you find like by empathizing, taking, getting outside of yourself, that's where some of it, I'm not saying abandon introspection. I'm saying it's both. It's both and. Mm, yes. So here's a big question for you, Bob, and I'm so curious your answer to this. We're heading into a divisive year. If it could get worse, it probably will. And I just wonder your hope for us as believers. Like, what would it look like for us to do this year differently than in the past? Yeah, I would say uh, nameless standouts. Those are the two words that come to mind. I would want us to be nameless because we're not trying to make ourselves more popular or well known or whatever. So the name doesn't matter. But standouts in that, wow, they're on to something else. Like when they, you walk into the room and you can just smell the cookies in the oven, you can say that there's actually a reason why that's happening. We want people to know that they're just welcome. It's, assuming they're just as screwed up as I am and just as fearful and uh, wounded and all that. Yet, we're, we're not making these setbacks in our lives campsites. They're setbacks. They're not campsites. Uh, so when somebody falls flat or says something super lame, which seems like it's every day, I'm not going to be the guy calling balls and strikes on that. Mm. And for somebody else, hey, if that's your thing, mazel tov. But one of the things I don't feel like I need to do is contribute to a really noisy room. That makes my voice get softer, not louder. <laughs> oh. I'm just got. I am not going to try. It's it's already filled with noise, and so. What I want to do is start humming a different tune and I go into a really noisy room and you just start humming and mm. it will look crazy. People will think you're nuts. Uh, <laughs> or refreshing. Hum something from the sound of music, but don't retreat to the church, like run to the church because we're the church and we get to be the church and we get to hum different songs. We get to mean the words that we say. One of the things that I do in a corporate worship standing, and it's been doing this for years, if I don't mean the words, I don't sing them. I just hum mm. them and I let everybody else, I assume they mean those words and I let them carry me. And I say, man, I want to get to the place where I really, really mean those words. So mm. part of it is 
being a little pickier about what you're saying, what you're singing, and then just say longing for, for these things. And I think if you could figure out what you're longing for, then you wouldn't settle for what you're capable of. And let me mm-hmm. tell you what I mean. So in your career, I'm capable of being a lawyer. I got, I'm like the rain man. <laughs> I'm licensed no. in every state. So I can take a bar exam, but while I'm capable of it, what I decided I was longing for is things involving kids. There's a beautiful Frederick Douglass quote. It's easier to train little girls than to repair broken men. And so what I want to do is find young people and find a way to just help out, to participate in some way. That's what I'm longing for. So what I've done is I started pumping the brakes on some of my capabilities. Maybe somebody that's listening is in the church and you say, like, I'm capable of doing these things. What I'm longing for is this other thing. So I would say, like, wow, can we just drive that thing around the block and see if there might be some evidence of Jesus in there? The more we're, like, looking with some wonder at other people, and I'm not saying a feigned kind of amazement. If Jesus was only amazed twice, we shouldn't be as amazed as we are. But I would say to just approach this with wonder to say like, wow, like God is up to something, but I can't tell what that is right now. Mm. <laughs> and you'll find your joy to say like, wow, I did not, I don't have a shelf for that. But I don't feel like I need to ricochet off people while I'm finding that out, while I'm trying to understand it. Does that make sense? Like, you know, well, take the, uh, you know, Jesus, he, he goes across the lake and he meets the pig farmer. Yeah. <laughs> and then he throws all the bad into the pigs and the pigs go off the cliff. And so it was a great day, you know, for the uh, guy, you know, that had been demon possessed because he wasn't anymore. But it was a pretty bad day for the pig farmer. And so <laughs> some days it was a really bad day for the pigs. Like, so some days, like you're the farmer and some days you're the guy's possessed. And so what I want to do is to realize that God is doing different things in other people's lives mm-hmm. than he's doing in my life right now. And sometimes what he's doing in their life is actually impacting my life in a kind of a negative way, exercise a little wisdom, to, but give God a little breathing room to do what he's doing in their life. I've never thought about this before today, and I've been around you a lot, Bob, and certainly read a lot of your work, and and I'm feeling like the, like the banner over you is there's just no fear. You're not afraid of something. You're not trying to grasp something or control something or make something happen. You're just, there's, a, there's an ease to you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say stated differently. I don't feel like I need to control the outcomes, but I want to participate in them. Mm. I'd like to participate in the outcome, but if it doesn't go the way I'm hoping, I'm like, I don't know how this retreat center will turn it. That's a pretty big bet. I'm literally betting the house on it. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We may be moving in with you guys. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) I'm not not freaked out about it because I'll have 24 horses. (laughs) You'll have a bigger problem than me. (laughs) One of the things, I'm going to try to participate in those outcomes, work hard, do the best I can, but I don't feel like I need to control what God is doing in your life or in Zach's lives. I don't feel like I'm like when I see the beautiful things unfolding at if, I'm not there uh, evaluating them. I feel like I am invited because you're gracious about that to be like a participant, like you've invited earth Mm. and we're all leaning in. But I'm not there with a scorecard like this is the Olympics, and I'm giving right. you an 8.5. Yes. Uh, and so part of that is just delighting in other people's oh, journey. You know, so one fun. farmer's praying for rain, 
and a wedding planner's praying for sunshine. Uh, <laughs> and if it rains, it doesn't mean he does like the bride. It just means he's just, you know, doing a solid for the farmer. And so to just chill out a little bit when things, it doesn't mean that true, you know, my truth, your truth. Oh, no, I think there's truth. Uh, but I think there's a lot of truth in sometimes just shutting up. Don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, do the truth. To just give it a little bit of time, and you'll get some of the clarity that, mm. that you're missing. Oh, take this. A guy walks into the bar, and the bartender pulls out a gun. The guy says thank you and leaves. Be like, well, <laughs> I don't get it. What if you found out later there was more information? The guy had hiccups, and so <laughs> it would give context. One more fact. One more fact could give all the context in the world where you think it's just a stupid joke. And then you go like, actually, with that new information, that casts this in an entirely. I see the beauty in this instead of being something really lame or puzzling. And if we knew we were one or two facts away from really understanding what God's doing in somebody's life. It would actually change a lot. Mm. Just be patient. Wait for the fact or two. It might be eternity. I think that's probably why it's going to take so long uh, mm. because we're going to get all the missing pieces. We go mm. like, now I understand Nutty Bob God. Now I understand Jenny <laughs> Allen. And these mm. things that I didn't understand and I was scratching my head. And I just, if we could move away from feeling like I need to control your behaviors, I want to just delight in your your life mm. and this uh, impact and to just stand in amazement, not feigned amazement, but actually say like, that is so good. That's a pretty gutsy move. Like what you do is pretty gutsy. You moved. You have <laughs> a really good thing going on. And I wasn't thinking, what a stupid idea. You know what I found out later? I found out that you, you moved because there's better schools. It was mm. a better fit for your family. Mm -hmm. I found out you had the hiccups. Mm. And I go like, well, now it makes sense. Mm. But I bypassed all the thinking about my opinion about right. your life. I was just delighted. I was hoping the, that it was going great and that the boxes were getting emptied the way you wanted and all mm. that. And I think if we could just chill out, this is a long way around the bush to say, Ugh. we're going to have an election. <laughs> yeah, let's just say I it. I know everybody has opinions. And they're like ears. Everybody has a couple of them. Uh, and I would just keep breathing, go back to whatever you believe the most, uh, probably your listeners, that's going to be the authoritative word of God. But for somebody, if you're listening, you're just surfing channels and, and you're listening to this and Jesus isn't a big deal for you, go with whatever you believe, whatever you have the most confidence of whatever has earned your confidence for the longest period of time. My worldview is that that's going to be Jesus Christ, but mm. I'm not trying to manipulate you. Matthew 16, it isn't flesh and blood that reveals these things. It's the spirit of God. Right. And so what I want to do is just not get in the way. Mm. I don't want to have people say to me when I get to Jesus that, Bob, you and all your big opinions blocked everybody's view. They couldn't mm. even see Jesus anymore. Couldn't even get past your big opinions. So you pick the hot topic of the day and I'll say, could we just take a breath? run back to scripture and point people towards scripture, not towards you, because I want people to meet Jesus. I don't want them to meet my opinion. I wish you could see me right now because I'm part teary and part smiling so big it hurts my face. <laughs> I just, Bob Goff for president, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hey, will you close in prayer just for those that feel like they're listening and they want joy, they want 
that freedom. They don't want to live in fear. They don't want to live in this crippling negativity anymore. Would you just pray for them real quick, Bob? Yes. And if you're new to this uh, idea of praying, like Jesus isn't wowed by big, fancy words. As a matter of fact, uh, he said his name had all this kind of power. So what if we just do this? Jesus, Mm. Jesus, Jesus. And if you're not impressed by this prayer, you haven't experienced the power of Jesus. That's right. I love it, Bob. No no diss in this thing, but literally, Jesus be over each person that's listening. Jesus be over your family from every place you come and go. Jesus be a parent in your life and uh, in the most difficult relationships and give us a clear perspective on who we are and what you're doing inside and outside the cockpit. In your strong name, amen. So before you guys go today, I wanna let you know about a summer camp I worked for back in college called Pine Cove Summer Camp. If you are from the Southeast or the South, you've probably heard of Pine Cove, but it is an amazing camp that is Christ-centered others focused and seriously fun. I know that every single college summer staff that work there are positive role models. It's a safe place for your kids and we are so excited to partner with them and get you guys a special code. So if you use the code Jenny250 at pinecove.com slash youth camp, you can get $250 off a first time overnight youth camp registration. So go sign your kid or your family up. They have family camps. Go have fun. Let us know if you sign your kid up.